Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down, wherever you get your podcast. My name is Kenny, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you today? Kenny, I'm doing very well. Very well indeed. No complaints. How always, about yourself? I'm good, I'm good. I always feel, I remember a couple of years ago I did an intro for you once and you went, Kenny, you always ask me how I am, and I'm always fine. So come up with some new material, and sometimes I go... What will I ask him today? What can my opening salvo be? But today, I just couldn't think of one. So I had to just do, how are you? I, had to I should have just responded with, thank you for that well-meant but pedestrian introduction. There you go. There you go. Um, wait, I, ripped that, I ripped that one off Awesome Wells, by the way. There you go. See, it was above my, above my head. Too, too intellectual for me. Um I did mean have you have you come across on Twitter yet, which well I remember it, the parody Gorilla Monsoon podcast. No. Uh, no, I have not. I will need to send you this. It's a guy who's basically done a uh, done a voice as if Gorilla Monsoon had a podcast in 2023, and it's sensational. Very funny. You know, he just doesn't give a shit. And uh, he's using all his old isms and it's uh you know, there's one where he's saying, 
Yeah, McMahon, McMahon got rid of Hogan and Piper and brought in fucking Jake Roberts, who's the same fucking age as the rest of them. And it's just all this kind of as if he was old and cranky. It's very funny. I'll, need to, I'll send you a bit of this. Have a look. <laughs> um, but we are here to talk about lots of different wrestling that is going on. Uh, unfortunately, not the NWA Nuff Said pay-per-view because we have lives. So we weren't able to fit that into the schedule. Nor do I think anyone would, would want to hear us talk about it then. Tyrus, still a champ. Bully Ray, right? Bully Ray's arrived. Bully Ray's arrived too. Uh, so there was some people on Twitter were kind of uh, amusingly talking about how from a distance in the in the image, Bully Ray actually looked like Alex Jones, the American conspiracy theorist guy. Um, and he kind of does if you look at it the right way. So, um, But yeah, Bully Ray versus Tyrus. 54, 51 year old versus 49 year old. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's over, isn't it? I mean, if Tyrus is your champ, I mean, you might as well just turn it in. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's just. And, it, but, and Tyrus is your. your that's your. your the champ. Your flagship. Your figurehead. But you've voluntarily chosen him. It's not like it's not there was loads of injuries. You're, oh God, we've got nobody left. It'll need to be Tyrus. It's like he's the choice, um, and he looks like a big pear. He's got a body like a pear. Yeah, and somebody, somebody we know that she said, "Oh, you know, shoot me if I ever look like Tyrus." And I said, "There's, I don't think there's any physical way you could get into, you could become that shape. It's impossible. I he mean- is an anomaly." I mean, what's the point? I mean, Bully Ray, I mean, he had a good little run there in Impact. Josh Alexander put him over at Hard to Kill. Um, busy match. Too much happened in it. But, I mean, it was tough. You know, they really grafted and Ray put Alexander over in the end, which was the main thing. He terrorised his family before the match. Josh was seeking vengeance, exacted it. You know, it was a good story they told. And now he's uh, wrestling Tyrus. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just move on, Kenny. <laughs> uh, well, listen, uh, I did want to bring up uh, a couple of things from, from AEW last week. Um, so obviously we're heading into the Revolution pay-per-view coming up uh, on March 5th, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously we've got, um, we've got Brian Danielson, who's going to be challenging for the the AEW championship against MJF and he's doing the gauntlet and stuff but it doesn't feel I saw some people talking online I thought it was an interesting thing to bring up they're doing all the right things with Danielson right now to build him up for this match but do you think when they get to San Francisco and they do the match and they do the hour is it too late to sort of get Danielson built up to be a contender that people believe is going to beat MJF or does it not matter? Or is he believable? What do you think um, in terms of how they're positioning Danielson as a threat? I think Danielson needs to watch Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, Paul Heyman and get fired up because he needs a fired up promo. And he's a promo like that to convince us that he wants that title. He don't really seem hungry to me anymore, Danielson. I think he's amazing in the ring. He's the best wrestler they've got in AEW. He's so good. I mean, look at that match he had with Ethan Page. And look at all the matches Ethan Page has had since. 
And that there is like a testament to the talents of Brian Danielson. He's so good. So he hasn't lost it in the ring. Obviously, he's still tremendous. I don't really sense that he's really committed to this in the terms of, um, you know, this is the most important thing in my life. And that's the message that Cody and Sami Zayn have very effectively put across on television uh, regarding their upcoming title matches with Roman Reigns. And I think Danielson needs to do that about this title match with MJF. We really need an impassioned promo from him. Well, um, also, also Danielson, Danielson has been doing media interviews over the last year where he sort of openly says, I have no interest in being champion, which to me is kind of, you know, like he used to know me. Remember when Shawn Michaels did that for a little while when he was, I don't want to be the champion in like all the media interviews. And I was like, yeah. I get it. And it's a, I, the sentiment is good that you're saying, you know, I, I want the young guys to have their time. Yeah. My time has passed, blah, blah. But like, it's, it's theater. Don't tell us, you know, if you're if you used to do fucking main parts in a in a play, don't do loads of interviews going, oh, you'll never see me do a main part again. I'm just a bit part person because then there's no that that, that we know what's going to happen. And if Danielson yeah. keeps saying, oh, I'm never going to, I have no interest in it, then it doesn't make you lose. Okay, you know, the Sami Zayn thing's an example. I am ninety nine point nine nine percent sure that Roman Reigns is going to leave Montreal as the champion. Yes, so much. But after watching Raw, I have a seed of doubt about it because they portrayed that to me on the segment. And we need you need to you know you need to push it like like you were saying. They need to they used to do a promo, but it needs to be like, why does Danielson want to be the champion? Tell us what what it would mean to you, why it would be a feather in your cap for your career, why you need it. Um, because the other thing, and I've said this with Sandra, and it. It bothers me on a visceral level because it's so frustrating. Is Brian Danielson is still in the Blackpool Combat Club? He's still in that faction, but apart from a match in early January on Rampage, he is never seen with the rest of the group. They never save him. He never saved them. But he's still in the group. And I mean, it baffles me. I mean, what's the point? What's the point of the Blackpool Combat Club full stop now that William Regal's gone? But they, yeah, exactly. They tell us a story. You know, tell us the story of Danielson wants to avenge Regal's downfall against MJF. The Blackpool Combat Club are frustrated that he wants to do that because of what Regal did to them. But there's a yeah. there's an easy story there that you can, you know, man- manipulate and and I think that's the thing. You know, last week's Dynamite had three very highly acclaimed matches on it, the MJF Keshta, the Danielson and Rush and the, the trios match. But in terms of story, the Danielson one had some story, obviously, because and and I guess the MJF one did too. But like, you know, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega who've been back since mid November have not cut one promo, have not had any story whatsoever. Well I know they, they did do a backstage promo with Ethan Page Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy, I think it was, prior to a match on Rampage. Yeah, but but not not a not a story. No, not a, no. You know, not not you know. Yeah, yeah. There's it was a all throwaway. It yeah, was just like, such a throwaway promo where they were where they were just going through all their little cliches, and there was nothing original about it at all. I, I know, it was oh, the type of a match that everybody knew they were going to win. 
And Omega came back in November, obviously after the, you know, being out and stuff. We've not heard from him. We've not heard what his motivation is, what his message is, what his goal is. Um, we've not heard from the Bucks, about what, same with them. And it's just yeah. stuff like, and I think that the the traps that they are getting into is, well, we'll be the show that has great in-ring wrestling. And it's like, that's all very well and good to your sort of hardcore people, but that's not going to get you anybody else watching the show. And, you know, I just, I to me, I think there's a, they need to really start doing story stuff. Story stuff's what's going to win the day. That's what's going to hook people in. And, you know, outside of the Danielson MGF story they're doing, what are the other stories right now? Well, exactly. I mean, look at the ratings on Friday. SmackDown, 2.468 million viewers. Uh, Rampage did... 375,000 viewers. Which which in theory shouldn't be a shock because Rampage is not a show you ever need to watch. But it should be. Oh, yeah, no, it, it, should. it should be. We've had this conversation numerous times before, haven't we? It's like, mm. why isn't this show... I mean, it is an extension of Dynamite. Of course it is. I think Dynamite was just under 900,000 last week. So, I mean, they cracked the million mark for uh, the million barrier for the... Um, Matt Briscoe uh, match with Jay Lethal, the Jay uh-huh. uh, Briscoe um, tribute match, tribute. That's it, tribute show. So they cracked the million barrier for that, and they've been under a million ever since. Um, but I mean, you look at Rampage, and it should be unmissable. It's such a one-hour show. It is a fast-moving show, but it doesn't feel essential. It's it just isn't. And there are stars on there, but if you don't watch it, you don't feel like you've really missed anything. And, like, obviously, that's not the emotion that fans should have. Fans should be saying, well, it's just a one-hour show. Uh, If I watch it on the TV, fast-forward through the adverts, it's going to take me 45 minutes to get through it. And and that's 45 minutes that of unmissable AEW TV that extends the stories and programs and... um, conflicts and everything else from last Wednesday and sets things up for next Wednesday. So, I mean, it's a missed opportunity to me each week when Rampage isn't must-see. But, hey, that's the way it is. And I think that's, you know, I guess my my long-winded point that I was making there is more about the one story they've really got that is resonating somewhat is the MGF Danielson thing, but is Danielson, you know, is Danielson believable as a threat to MGF? And right now it doesn't feel like he is. No, I don't think he is either. And we're what are we? We're only two and a half weeks. Yeah, two and a half weeks off. As you said, it was uh, March fifth. So I mean, it's like we've got like one, two. We've got three more episodes of Dynamite before the pay per view, and I just feel like Danielson needs to um, just exude the emotion that he desperately wants to become champ. And as you said, he has told us in you know non-kayfabe friendly interviews that he's not bothered about being champion anymore it's like well why is he communicating that message to an audience that wants him to become champion (laughs) just lie you know kayfabe just lie to us i mean but the thing is that nobody you know if 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 you're buying the the revolution pay-per-view on march 5th right you you can be fairly confident the danielson mgf match is going to deliver in the ring it's going to be but that's not what. You that's need not why we're watching it. Shoot. Well, I mean, that is probably why people watch it. Well, that'd be really good. But in in order for people to really care, 
they have to believe that Danielson wants to dethrone MJF. Yeah, and that's and and that's the key. It's like you need to do that. I mean, I'll give you an example. Like, I'd, I'd heard this kind of bandied around. So the Young Bucks and Omega don't have challengers yet for the pay-per-view, which is in two and a half weeks. And you've got, you know, you you could have theoretically Moxley, Claudio, and Wheeler Utah do it because they're, you know, they're the Blackpool Combat Club. They're a pretty big faction, even though they don't really do anything together. Um, so you could do something like that. But again, you need to build a story. And we're two and a half weeks out. Nothing's happened. So, and because I, I think at the moment for for Revolution, which is, hold on, let me just get the, how many matches do we have announced for Revolution, which is in two and a half weeks? We have. One match. Is that it? Wow. Danielson and MJF. Well, presumably it would be Wardlow, Samoa Joe. Yeah, we assume we assume Wardlow, Samoa Joe. I assume acclaimed in the guns in a rematch. Yes, yes um, I think so. And it's, I mean, I guess either Moxley and Page again, if they're doing that as a final match, or... But then, you know, the, the Bucks and Omega, you'd imagine, are going to have a match. But why, when they're some of the biggest stars you've got, are they not in a story two weeks out? You know, the last pay-per-view that they had was in November. November 19th. So there's been months and months and months to build some stuff up. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think the thing is, it's more glaring when WWE is doing so well. that you know, Then it becomes more obvious when, when you know, the other the other big mob are not, are not pulling their weight. Um, yeah. And like you say, it's like Rampage. It's like every time they do something on Rampage, it's always a major star in action, you know, against somebody you know they're not going to lose to. Whereas, you know, last week when they did the Ricky Starks uh, Jericho Appreciation Society gauntlet thing, which felt very similar to Danielson having to do the Labors thing. Yeah. They should have done the Ricky Starks thing with the Jericho Appreciation Society on Rampage and had that be the big story on Rampage and had, you know, a star. And then you could even had Jericho in commentary. Well, I mean, I guess they couldn't because he was on the cruise, wasn't he? So, no, he wasn't on the cruise. He, he, that was the week before. So, but they could have done that, and that could have been a big story, you know, on that show. But you have to transfer some of the big stuff, not just have because I'm not going to take an hour out of my weekend to see if John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Utah can dethrone Kip Sabian, the Butcher, and the Blade. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. That's it. But anyway, I just thought. I'd... Well, that's it. And this, I mean, the thing is, we talked about this previously. There's so much wrestling. And there's so much good TV that's not wrestling, that's competing for our time. Yep. So if Rampage isn't must-see TV, well, people, or many people, in fact, you know, more than half of the people who watched Dynamite last week didn't watch Rampage, they're just not going to give Rampage the time of day because there's loads of other programs or things they could be doing with their time. So, yeah, you've got to give people a reason. Um, but, yeah, the Danielson thing, I mean, just getting back to that original question, Kenny, you just... That hunger and that drive, even though he's obviously still tremendous in the ring and he want and, and he's driven to put on exciting matches, it doesn't feel to me like he's expressing the emotion that I have to be MGF. It's sort of when he's out there, it's almost like he's amused by it. It's like he's not really taking it that seriously. Um, and we just need that promo from him this week, I think, where he needs to convey that emotion that he wants to become champion they can still do it they've got three three more episodes of the program or at least they can 
he can say things over the next three weeks that will make us want to believe that he's that he that he really seeks to be champ and wants to be champ and wants to represent AEW as champ and wants to put MGF in his place and et cetera, et cetera. It can still be done, but they've got to try and they've got to start it this week. Yeah. And, you know, even like I remember uh, WrestleMania 31, which is a pretty, you know, well-received WrestleMania, the build-up to that was pretty bad. So you can you can pull it back in in the last couple of weeks or even at the show, but yeah, they just need to start telling better stories. And you know, the rampage thing. My final thing I want to say about that was what you what should happen is you should watch Dynamite, and there should be something at some point where somebody comes out to respond to something that happened on Rampage, and you get a very quick clip of it. This big yeah. thing happened on Rampage, but you don't yeah. get the full thing because then you feel, oh, I missed something. Oh, I need to watch that to know what's going on here. And that's what they used to, I mentioned it quite a lot. That's what they used to do with Sunday Night Heat. You know, you would have Vince coming out to do a promo and you'd see a quick clip from the big show in Austin the night before, but you wouldn't get the full clip. So you'd be kind of like, oh, something happened on Heat. I need to figure out what it was. I mean, we couldn't figure it out because we didn't get it in the UK, but people in the US got to figure it out. Um, but anyway, uh, let's move yeah, on. It's, it's the hooks, isn't it? You've just got to give people hooks. Yes. You know, and not, I don't mean hook. I mean hooks. And and it was the same heat, wasn't it? At one point, heat was a priority. I mean, that was like a really important show to WWE. And then SmackDown came along, and heat became pretty much irrelevant. It was its importance was massively diluted, and it showed. And accordingly, the ratings went down because it wasn't a, a must see show anymore because all the things that mattered happened on SmackDown. And that's where we are. Um, but yeah, but, but hopefully hopefully things change. I mean, if the ratings from last Friday are not an indicator that things need to change for Rampage, I don't know what is. Um, well, it's up to, it's, I mean, it's up to them to give people a reason to watch yeah. Rampage. It's that simple. And if they do that, then people will. The end. The end. Uh, let's talk about SmackDown, some of the big happenings from uh, the Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut. Um, we opened the show with Paul Heyman coming out. He's on his own. He's got the titles over his shoulders. It says that he's been delivering spoilers ever since he told us that Brock Lesnar would beat the Undertaker streak. Called Sami Zayn a psychopathic rebel. Um, said Sami's not here. Talks about, you know, the island of relevance to being under attack from Cody Rhodes. Um, and Heyman basically said that without these titles, there is no island of relevancy, there is no bloodline, there is no Roman Reigns. And then out of nowhere, Sami Zayn shows up from through the crowd and he uh, tells Heyman he's not going to hurt him, but, you know, Roman's days as champ are numbered. And um, he kind of has a go at Heyman for kind of, you know, the way he looks at Reigns and looks at him like he's the sun shines out his ass. And um, he tells Heyman that uh, he's got a spoiler of his own that Roman has eight days left. And uh, Zayn gives Heyman a very intense hug and uh, says, tell Roman he doesn't need to worry about Cody because I'm going to be the one to take him down and uh, and leave. So uh, that was the opening segment. How do you think they did as a follow-up? And obviously with Roman not there, so they have to kind of keep the story going without the old tribal chief there. Yeah, I thought it was well done. Uh, Of course it was going to be well done. Um, it was amusing that Paul Heyman would say that Sami Zayn's not here. He lied. Heyman lied again. Who could believe? It was a first time for everything, friend. That's it. Without these titles, there is no Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman said. And then Sami turned up with his hoodie on, 
you know, looking mysterious, you know, looking like, you know, he's he's like running away from someone. Um, and as you said, Zayn uh, said that um, the bloodline was crumbling. It was all falling apart for them. And yet it was all coming together for Sammy. And tell Roman he's got eight days left as champ and I'm going to take him down. Um, I think the the Cody promo, the problem is, right, is it was really good. But I've since watched the Cody Sami Zayn confront, well, not really a confrontation or conversation on Raw. And that was, I think, better than this. And because it was the first time we'd seen those two together speaking in that fashion, it was, you know, more felt more consequential. So I think it's really sort of diluted the importance and, you know, the, the brilliance really of this Heyman Zayn uh, exchange on SmackDown last Friday. So yeah, it's, I think if we, if we'd recorded this on Saturday, I would be saying, I would be gushing about it a lot more than I am now. It just feels like it's it sort of feels like old news now because the Cody and Sammy conversation is the thing that everyone is talking about uh, today, Tuesday, February 14th. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to keep up. I thought the segment was good. I think it kind of it struggles as a segment, both because the Cody and Heyman segment from last week was so iconic and excellent. And then the Cody Sammy one we'll talk about later was also on that same level. And this was just kind of below those two. But there wasn't really much else you could do because it kind of was there to be the placeholder thing that it was. So I think it was good, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's like seeing a good film after seeing two great films, you know, you can be slightly underwhelmed just because of the quality of the other ones, but it was a good opening segment. It kind of hyped things up and we were kind of teased about, you know, will Jey Uso turn up? Jimmy Uso was trying to get him on the phone and Heyman's asking him where he is. He says he doesn't know. Um, so uh, he ends up coming out on his own, um, J- uh, Jimmy, to take on Braun Strowman and Ricochet. And as the match is about to begin, Jay Uso comes through the crowd. He's back with his brother. They have a big embrace. And that gives us the tag title match with um, the Usos against Strowman and Ricochet, which I thought was a pretty good match. Pretty, pretty good fun. The crowd were very behind the Usos in this one, it felt like. They were... They uh, they were very glad to see Jay there, and uh, I think him coming back. Even though at last week I sort of said, you know, don't don't have him there till Montreal. I think they were clever on how they did this because he didn't really well. It played into what was going to happen later in the show with Jay and Sammy. But I thought they did well of not having Jay give too many of his cards away about where he stands on stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um... I mean, I think I thought this was a, a a triumph this match in in quite a few ways because, as you said, Jimmy and Jay the Uzos they um they were popular and people wanted to see Jay there to support his brother and yet at the same time Strowman and Ricochet were cheered and when Braun um made his hot tag people were really behind the challengers. So, I mean, that was a real testament, I think, to their popularity as a team. And I think they've got something in Strowman and Ricochet, and hopefully they'll keep these two together for a while, because I'm not really sure what they would do as singles players at the moment. Um, so the fact that people were willing to cheer Strowman and Ricochet against the Twins, you know, these two very popular champions who really shouldn't be popular because they're villains, 
I mean, it was only, you know, what was it? Um, just well less than two weeks earlier, wasn't it? That Jimmy was beating the hell out of Sami Zayn at Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. In, you know, a hellacious attack. And people here were cheering Jimmy. So, I mean, try and get your head around all of this. None of it really makes any sense. And it's in the lines are really blurred. There's a lot more gray areas, which is something WWE used to say years ago, maybe even in the WWF days. You know, there's no black and white, just shades of gray. I think that was a famous Vince promo. Or Vince, he said that in an interview one time. And it does feel like finally now in 2023... He he was right, you know. He was. He, I don't think he was really right at the time, but he's right now. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed the match. In the end, uh, uh, Jay uh, pin Ricochet uh, with the big splash after he had made a like a secret tag, unbeknown to Ricochet. It was a convincing win by by Jimmy and Jay, but he didn't feel like Braun and Ricochet were were hurt by it or damaged by it in any way. So that was why I felt like this match on so many levels was was a huge success. Because I think everyone got over. Everyone, strangely, was popular. And uh, I think everyone was in some way enhanced by the match. And it's sort of none of this really sort of makes sense to me, you know, that all these good things could have happened in this one match. But somehow they did. Yeah, no, it, was, it, was, it was great. I mean... Ricochet and Braun Strowman in some ways look, look like the little and large versions of each other, which is quite funny. They've got the same haircut, the same uh, beard. But they, I mean, as an act, what were they doing solo? What were they going to do on their own? They were, you know, especially around this time of year. So I think, yeah, them as a team, it's not the worst idea to kind of keep them together doing something. And, um, you know, the Usos sort of made them look like a really good threat to them. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a big success. Um, but the, the the bigger story coming out of the match was after the match, we had uh, Jay go to leave. Uh, Paul Heyman was lurking behind a pillar fin, um, sort of saying, you know, was that was that your brother? And he's like, yeah. And he said, you know, did he say anything? And Jim says, nah, he just left. But then later on, Jay is walking through the, the parking garage and he bumps into Sami Zayn fin. And this was a very interesting exchange. It was, yeah. So Sammy told Jay, welcome back. Um, Sammy said that to Jay that Roman Reigns was going down and that Jay did not need to go down um, with the bloodline on the good ship bloodline. There was there was like a lifeboat. You know, there was a it was a rubber dinghy. He could have climbed on that <laughs> and left with Sammy. Um, and then he said, Sammy said to Jay, I acknowledge you. And offered him the fist for the fist bump. And Jay reciprocated and did the fist bump. So, I mean, we know how it's going to end, don't we, Kenny? It's going to end really badly for Sammy this Saturday. I'm sorry, Sammy. There's going to be tears this Saturday. That man that you thought was your friend or you think now is your friend, he's going to betray you. You know, that's not a prediction, Kenny. That's a spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, really well done to... You know, Lulla's into red herring, you know, Lulla's into this false sense of security that, yeah, Jay's on Team Sammy, you know, and they're going to, you know, sail off into the sunset, big pals. He's going to turn his back on the family. Of course, he's not going to. Uh, But that's great because it takes us where we know this is going, which is Sammy and Kevin Owens reconciliation. And Sammy and Kevin Owens versus Jimmy and Jay at WrestleMania. So, and I think that's going to be one of 
one of the big matches at Mania. I mean, let's face it, there's already, there's loads of big matches already lined up at WrestleMania, at least in our minds. Um, in our minds, we know these are coming. And that's what WWE has done so masterfully this year. It's just got everything, or not everything, but lots of things and lots of stories all prepared, you know, for us to join the dots and work out where it's all going, which is what we love to do as pro wrestling fans. And what could be the big difference this year compared to last year that's allowed us to do that, potentially? Uh, I have no idea, Kenny. It totally <laughs> escapes me. I mean, maybe someone could write in and give us a clue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I think, um, I mean, I, I don't want to really get into the Raw segment yet, but at this point, yes, I was kind of thinking, okay, you know, Jay, so, the, the, you know, Sammy saying, I acknowledge you is such a good line because it plays back to not even the Sammy stuff, but the stuff with Jay and Roman in 2020 that we went through. You know, it kind of harkens you back to that. And the fact that Jay, if we remember, was kind of forced to get in line with Roman Reigns. He didn't want to. You know, he tried to beat him a couple of times, couldn't do it. And then he had to sort of get in line with Roman. So it brings up a lot of stuff. And then afterwards, because they did fist bump, you know, Jay was looking around to make sure nobody could see. And then Heyman goes to speak to Jimmy Uso and says, uh, just spoke to the tribal chief and he wants you and your brother to stay home next week. Don't bother coming to Montreal. And then he says, because there's things you can see on TV you don't see when you're live. Yes. You're very, very, very good. Very juicy stuff. So, yeah, big fan of all this stuff. It was really, really good. Um, So when I watched SmackDown on Sunday... I hadn't had any of this stuff spoiled for me because I'd been busy. So I, I, I didn't know. And I saw it was the fatal four-way match main event for the shot of the IC title with Rey Mysterio, Madcap Moss, Karrion Cross, and Santos Escobar. Yeah. And um, and I was, and so Karrion Cross walks out and you know that, you know, usually you want to just jump off a cliff whenever he comes on the TV because the boredom is, is set to set in. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, It just takes over, doesn't it? just takes over. So the problem was is that because of Santos Escobar's a heel, Karrion Cross is terrible, um, Rey Mysterio is has just had as much with Gunther. So you then find yourself in a position thinking Mad Cat Moss is probably the guy who's going to win this to take on Gunther. So they have this four-way. Very difficult for me to, to care about it because Rey Mysterio is really the only interesting person in the match at the moment. Uh, but Mad Cat Moss does win. And next week, Gunther will have his toughest challenge to date Finn. He's going to have to get a good, strong match at Madcap Moss, which he is not known for as Madcap. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're, we're no further forward really to know where Gunther's going either. Um, all kind of placeholder stuff here to keep us going till after the Chamber, I assume. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, Gunther's either going to be Brock Lesnar or Drew McIntyre or possibly Gunter versus Drew and Sheamus, possibly. Um, you would think it's either going to be Lesnar, Sheamus, or McIntyre that faces Gunter at WrestleMania. But they can't mention it at the moment because Drew and Sheamus are in this mini-feud with the Viking Raiders. They'll have a match this Friday on SmackDown, which they've built up over a period of a few weeks anyway. So I don't know if there's a huge amount of interest in that match, but that's taking place this Friday, isn't it, Kenny? Drew and Sheamus versus the Vikings. Is it this Friday? It is on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's, yes, that's Friday. We got the yeah. Yes. Got the so, so you know, they can't make any announcements regarding 
you know, Drew and Sheamus in their WrestleMania match until that's over with. And obviously, we know that Gunter's now going to face Madcap Moss on SmackDown this Friday as a result of Moss winning this, you know, rather dull, fatal four-way match. Um, mm-hmm. So they can't make any further announcements regarding what Gunter's going to do next. So at least after this weekend, Kenny, you know, we'll, they'll be able to tell us, you know, what the Imperium boss is doing at WrestleMania and they'll be able to get the wheels in motion for that. Um, yes. And this was a strange choice for a main event. I mean, Rey Mysterio was trying his best in there. I mean, Karrion Cross, there's just no hope. Santos Escobar, I mean, he needs to he needs to just turn it around. He needs to just something needs to happen with him soon. Otherwise, he's gone fairly soon from this company because he's just not connecting with the audience at all. Madcap Moss, I actually I think the guy's talented, but he needs a character. He doesn't have a character. I mean, when he was telling the jokes, he had a character and he was, I guess he was over as a second match heel to some extent. But now he's a baby face. He's not particularly likable. And they need to find us, find a way for us to care about him because this character is not going to get over. It's just not. So something needs to happen with him. Something different needs to, there needs to be some character development for us to care about him. I think Gunter versus Moss might actually be decent. I think Moss is a pretty good in-ring performer. And I think against Gunter, I think they will have a pretty good match. I'm not saying this is going to be a turning point for Moss, because I don't think it will be, unless they make changes to his character for us to really get behind him and care about him. But I mean, you know, this is, you know, this is a big match for him on Friday, obviously. Biggest match really since the Corbin series, I would have thought. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I would say so. So he's, he's going to have to, you know, really. It's going to be it's going to be tough for him because Madcap Moss is never really someone who has shown much. I mean, he's he's, yeah. he's he's an impressive athlete, but I mean, I would argue, you know, just to well remember it for Santos Escobar. The problem with him is, you know, we talked earlier about stories. You know, AEW not having enough story. There's no story for Santos Escobar. That's part mm-hmm. of his problem. What's he's not in a rivalry? There's nothing for us to care about. So, you know, you can have these weird characters or these, you know, like Harry and Cross, or you can have a faction like Legado del Fantasma. Unless they're doing anything and connecting, then it's all just kind of in a void, really. Yeah, it's just filler, isn't it? It's just filler. And, you know, unfortunately, Legado, 
The feud with Hit Raw was supposed to do a lot for both factions and it did nothing for either faction. It was They just gave up on that one when it didn't get over, which was a, a shame, really, for both factions. Uh, would it have got over if they'd given it more time and more creative attention? Well, maybe, I don't know. But, I mean, Hit Row and Legado, I mean, they're just going nowhere. I mean, look, Hit Row had a match on the show against... Drew and Sheamus, and they were just hammered. They were just clobbered. So, I mean, Hit Row are now essentially a joke. They came in as faces or came back as faces. They're now heels, so they can't really turn them again. Michael Cole just mocks Top Dollar every week as this clown. So, I mean, things don't look good for Hit Row either. Um, oh, we, we had an LA Knight sighting as well on SmackDown. Speaking of uh, characters that things don't look good for. And uh, so he was asked about Bray Wyatt. And he said, I'm done with Bray Wyatt. You know, I'm looking to the future. You know, I just want to talk about the future. I bet he does. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't ever want to be reminded of the Bray Wyatt feud and particularly the Mountain Dew match at Raw Rumble ever again in his career. <laughs> I just feel so bad for LA Knight. I just, when he appeared on the screen, I just felt utterly demoralized. So, I mean, you know, upon second viewing, that match at Royal Rumble was even worse than the first viewing. And my write-up in the magazine is one of the biggest burials I've ever written in 31 years of doing this job. One of the <laughs> biggest burials I've ever been, I've ever done. And, it, and I, you know what? I don't even think I was really tough enough on it. I think I probably should have gone even even harder you, than I did. Yeah, you could have put you could have put the boots on worse to that than you did. So you were being yeah. kind. You were yeah. being kind, old LA Knight. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, I just, I still just despair. I just despair at the whole thing. So let's move on. That's the let's... second time I've said that today. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's talk about Raw. Lots of big stuff coming out of Raw. We did have a tag match with the Street Profits against Finn Balor and Damian Priest, where after the heels got the win, there was a beatdown. Uh, Beth Phoenix was about to get her hands on Dom. We'd been told earlier that Rhea Ripley's not there. Not there, excuse me. But she ended up coming out from, from out of nowhere to take out uh, Beth Phoenix because Edge and Beth had come out to make the save for the babyfaces. And um, Beth Phoenix was left lying after a riptide. Edge was checking on her, but the crowd seemed seemed really into, you know, Edge and Beth coming out, the Judgment Day. It just seemed like everything was clicking here. Yeah. And, and you know, the the, the Legado del Fantasma thing, the reason that's maybe not working is because if you look at the Judgment Day, they're a hot act. They've got, you know, everybody in it is doing something. Yeah. You know, and, and, it, and it all fits, and they all, they've all got their own personalities. They all bounce off of each other. They all lift each other up when the other ones maybe falter a little bit. So, I mean, they are... The sort of every faction in wrestling, well, not everyone, but most of them should you should look at the Judgment Day for how they're presented because they might be the best presented faction in American wrestling to me. Well, apart from the, if we if we apart from the Bloodline, yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah, apart from the Bloodline, but I mean, in terms of everybody else, I think that the the Judgment Day are the best. House of Black, nothing. Legado del Fantasma, nothing. Um, the Blackpool Combat Club, barely non-existent. You know, whereas the, the Judgment Day, they're a real proper crew. Yeah. And they all are together and they're all in, intertwined in different feuds and they all help each other with everything. I mean, it's all pretty basic stuff, but it's all stuff that is making them... I mean, a year ago, I couldn't have cared less about Damien Priest 
or you know Dominic Mysterio or even Rhea Ripley to be fair actually because they'd all just kind of been hung out to dry and they weren't really doing anything and now look at them now they're in this feud with Edge and Beth and then kind of Rey Mysterio by default and uh, they're just smashing it so it's, it's, it's yeah crazy. it absolutely is and and I feel very confident that uh, Finn Balor and uh, Rhea Ripley will defeat Edge and Beth Phoenix at Elimination Chamber this Saturday sorry if I've spoiled that one for people but uh, I mean Rhea <laughs> I mean, look at where, look at the trajectory. Look at where she's going next. Is she going to do the job at Elimination Chamber? I mean, maybe Finn Balor will. But I mean, that would, you know, really to me, Rhea Ripley needs the win there because we know who she's wrestling at WrestleMania. And that's the biggest match of her career and a really big match on the show. And I would think that Phoenix will probably then just go home after this. I mean, she's just a part-timer and it's great that she drops in now and again and you know, lends her expertise and her, um, you know, celebrity and, you know, benefit of her experience to younger performers. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the match, uh, Elimination Chamber, this mixed match. And I agree with you about Judgment Day. And and the reason it's working is because all four of them have characters that all mesh very well. And all of them, we know who they all are. And the weak link, of course, was Dominic Mysterio. And if you noticed, he was the one who was booed the loudest when he spoke. People really dislike him. He's like a proper heel. People really loathe him because of what he's done to his dad. And, uh, you know, you know, prison Dom was like, oh, you know, Priest is going to be in the Elimination Chamber. I know what it's like to be inside a cage. And he's going to run the Elimination Chamber like I ran my block when I was inside. <laughs> well, he's just banging on about that stuff there. We all know it's just a clown show. You know, we all know it's just completely over the top absurd. But it doesn't matter because they're all playing, playing it straight. All the other members of Judgment Day are like, yeah, you tell them, Dom. They're not saying, what are you on about? You know, you're only in <laughs> police station for 90 minutes before we bailed you out so I mean yeah it was it was really well done and I'm sure this was a big boost to Damien Priest's confidence after his little slip up last week on Raw when he couldn't remember what the, the name of the next premium live event but you know we've all been there Kenny we've, we've all been there on these podcasts when we get stuff wrong obviously neither you or nor I have ever you know been wrestlers but we've made enough blunders in our time that's my point Yes, we have. We have. But yeah, no, this was this was really good, building up to a lot of stuff with you know the mixed tag and you know the tease of Rey Mysterio and Dom down the line, David Priest being in the chamber. So yeah, really good stuff. Um, we got a contract signing with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, which was kind of a unique way to do it, where Lashley refused to get in the ring and he had his own table set up at the the entrance way. He had security that Lesnar just battered, and um. <laughs> But Lashley, Lashley got the upper hand. I, th- I thought he was about to decapitate Brock Lesnar by the way he flung him over his shoulders onto the ramp. Um, and then he signed the contract and left Brock laying. So, yeah, um, yeah pre- pretty good segment. The crowd in Brooklyn really liked it. Brock Lesnar really popped big when the crowd started chatting Bobby scared. It really yeah. killed Brock. Um and uh, yeah, yeah, this was, this was a pretty strong segment too. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I mean, Lesnar just cracks me up because you can, he always looks like he's about to start laughing. And I think I think him and Lashley are like, I think they they're having a, an absolute riot doing this feud. It's like neither what it's like they're out there, you know, trying to make each other laugh. 
that's what I think they're trying to do when they're out there. And uh, and Lashley looks like he, he's nearly going each time. And Lesnar's there. He's, oh, it's, it was really funny. <laughs> so Lashley was there. Table was set up on the ramp near the entrance. Lesnar was in the ring. And uh, Lashley goaded Lesnar into coming towards his table. So he would sign the contract. And en route, the security guards got in the way. And Lesnar destroyed them. And that distraction enabled... Lashley to basically position himself and effectively do a backdrop on Lesnar on the ramp. And Lesnar sold it massively as he always does. I mean, he was selling that more than anyone else sells anything, basically. Like one backdrop. I mean, admittedly, it was on the ramp. And then Lashley blasted him with this almighty spear, um, went and signed the contract, dropped the contract on Lesnar. Lesnar's still lying on the floor. Showing look totally defenseless, showing maximum vulnerability, like he does better than anyone in pro wrestling. You know, in pro wrestling, it's all linked to the big cell. Everything is it's just that simple, and uh, that's how you get people to care by selling like you're really in pain. And Lesnar does that better than anyone. So yeah, I thought this segment was really well done, and um, I don't know who's going to win the match at Elimination Chamber. Presumably Lesnar. Presumably, um, but and it, you know, some people were kind of wondering, you know, where was it going to be like a non-finish thing to to have their final match be at WrestleMania? But it doesn't seem that that's the way they're going. It does seem like finality is going to be at the Elimination Chamber. So we'll see. I mean, I think in some ways Lesnar winning would be good because that would potentially be a way to get Lashley to then accept, you know, MVP back and the Hurt business because. Yeah, you can see them later on in a kind of backstage background thing talking. So that could maybe be the way they go. But um, let's yeah, talk- and we saw last week, didn't we, that um, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander defeated the uh, the Academy on yes. last week's Rob. Uh, but let's talk about the segment that everybody's talking about. It's impossible to to not hear people uh, talking about this today. It was Sami Zayn showed up. Um, again through the crowd and he said he's here tonight because he needs to speak to someone he might not get the chance before Elimination Chamber um, and it's Cody Rhodes he brings out Cody and you know I, I, I couldn't even begin to do this segment justice but the gist of it is Sami Zayn said you said Cody that you believe that I'm going to beat Roman Reigns and I want to hear from your your mouth was that lip service or do you believe it and Cody gives this massively impassioned speech about how you know Yes, he does, and you know um, everybody else thinks that um, that you can. And then uh, Sammy says, "I don't know if I can." But then he gets really fired up and sort of talks about how yes, he can beat him. Yes, he can. He's main event worthy for WrestleMania. There's a you can do it chant. There's ole 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 chants. And um, Cody then says, "You know, if there's cracks in Roman's armor, it's because of you. If there's a possibility of him getting dethroned, it's because of you." Um, and uh, he says, you know, at Royal Rumble, I said I was going to... Afterwards, uh, Michael Cole said, finish your story, and I intend to, and Sammy, you need to finish yours. I mean, this was... I think this was actually even better than the Heyman one last week, which I didn't think was possible to to get to, but this was just epic. Epic! <laughs> what, else, what, else, what else do you say? I was sitting watching it going, how have they got to a point where we are a month out, or six weeks out from WrestleMania... And they have two massively over baby faces who people want to see both of them succeed. It's not a position where 
people aren't that into Cody. They're super into Cody. They're super into Sammy. Like it's just yeah. you know you don't you very rarely in wrestling get this. So it's just yeah, kind of right. yeah absolutely. I think the thing is because for so long we had Cena there, and Cena would always be booed, and there was things about Cena that people just disliked. I mean, you know, even there's even times that you know I didn't like him very much. <laughs> but, really, I would I would never have known in my years of being slam. But I mean, that was the problem. We had Cena there, and he was a constant, wasn't he? So he was the baby face for so long, and he was booed nearly always. So, and we got used to that. And this is like a really sort of bizarre novel concept of like two top baby faces that people actually like, you know, and it's just like, yes, we are in the post-Cedar era and I'm so pleased we are. Um, and it, it was, yeah, I mean, it's all down to good booking and long-term planning, just like they used to do in the old days. Vince used to do this. Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan, you know, Savage becomes champ at WrestleMania 4 and immediately the wheels are set in motion for... Um, you know, Savage and Hogan. Hogan helped Savage win the tournament and become champion at WrestleMania 4. And it's a slow, slow, slow burn towards them splitting up in Feb the following year. And then they have the match at WrestleMania 5 and Hogan becomes champ. So, I mean, that was the way he did things back in the day. And um, and that's the way they're doing things now as well. Just setting, the laying the foundations and just building things from the ground up with people that the audience likes. You know, that's the thing, isn't it? With, yeah, with acts yeah. that people, you know, people want to cheer, that I they're think, fond of. To your, to your point, I, I don't want to make this too much about Cena because it's not about him, but I think one of the things about the Cena era was he did break storytelling a lot of the time because you had part of the audience who really liked him, you had part of the audience who hated him, and then a lot of the stories tended to be about which person did adult males want to cheer for in the hopes that they sort of take Cena down. Yeah. And that and and but that just once you get to like five or six times of seeing that, you know, there's not really much left. And then when he was when he was a babyface, they would put him in things like John Laurinaitis matches or big show matches. Yeah. And it was just you wanted to bang your head against the wall. But whereas this, it's just like you said, it's good booking. What the thing that I thought was the most clever about this was and by the end of the seg- by the end of the second, I I felt like I was like, I I wonder if they've changed their plans. Now they probably haven't in terms of what they're going to do, but this segment made me question what they're going to do, and that was the the, the cleverness of it. Is it didn't- and that, I'm sure that was the purpose of it yeah. was to make us question what we you know we we believe that Reigns is going to attain Elimination Chamber. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know what the betting odds are, but I'm sure the the people taking bets, the odds are that Reigns will retain. They believe he's going to retain, and I'm I'm convinced he will retain because I don't see Zayn versus Cody Rhodes as a WrestleMania main event. Two faces, and you know, we need a heel there. We just need a heel as champion defending, and we need Cody to be the one. To me, to be the one to end Reigns's epic reign. And that's how he becomes the guy that we think he can be as a babyface. And I think based on the evidence uh, this week on Raw and the promo last week against Heyman, he's a top guy. I mean, I had my doubts before he returned, 
But he has absolutely proven me wrong week after week or every time he's appeared. I mean, obviously, he didn't appear for a long time. Um, he has he just he has just exceeded my expectations. And I look at him and I think, ah, I don't really see Cody as a main eventer. And then he comes out and I'm like, yeah, he is a main eventer. Because if he wasn't, he wouldn't be able to do that. And it's that's it, Finley. You know, the end. <laughs> end of discussion. He, of course, he is. And um, don't be so abs- ridiculous to think anything else. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this promo between them. And I think the other thing about it is the show pulled, and this was the thing that Cena never did, and he never got this. He never really showed vulnerability. He would do this crazy dead sell and would oversell, but it was just simply not believable. And then there was nothing between this sort of overselling and him making his Superman cartoon comeback, and he had completely recovered. And that was the thing that always really annoyed me about Cena, and he's, well, just annoyed me about Cena, was that it just wasn't simply not believable. Whereas these two guys talking about this mountain that they're trying to climb, they know what's ahead of them. They know how difficult this is. And they're, they're talking talking up how challenging this is going to be, how good Reigns is. You know, this is like the antithesis. Remember that exchange that Ricky Starks and MGF had before their winter is coming match, mm-hmm. where they were basically just really trashing each other? And we yeah. talked about this. It's like, hmm... You're really running each other down here. And I know the audience, the AW audience loves it because that's what they're paying to see. But a larger mass audience is going to be watching thinking, well, maybe Ricky Starks really is a dollar store Dwayne. You know, maybe he's not really as good as he thinks he is. And no one was saying anything like that here. What they were doing was just putting each other over. They were putting Reigns over as the most dominant champion of his generation, which of course he is. Um, Zane was saying, well, the bloodline always find a way to win. You know, I think I can do it. I think I can beat him. I think I'm capable of doing it. But I've been in there in the trenches with them. And I know they plan these things. You know, I know what they do. I know what they'll stoop to. I've been party to that. So he knows how difficult this task is. You know, all these people who've been you know, bigger than him have gone in with all this confidence and been defeated. You know, and Sammy is a smaller guy and, you know, could he do what these other people have failed to do? And it seems insurmountable. And then Cody's there sort of building him up and giving him a pep talk. It's like, well, there's cracks in the armor. You put them there. Um, you know, you can do this. Um, so everything was just complimentary towards everyone else rather than, you know, critical or, you know, knocking each of someone's talents or you know, you're belittling what they bring to the table. Everything was, you are a big deal and you can do this, uh, even though the person you're wrestling in Montreal is, you know, the the biggest star of the last 10 years and, you know, the most dominant champion, you know, this decade or the last decade or whatever. So, yeah, I thought, I thought it was really well done. And everyone just sold it with total sincerity. There was no nod, nod, wink, wink, and, you know, this is kind of, (laughs) you know, that silly sort of stuff that we see sometimes in pro wrestling where people aren't really taking it seriously and we're all in on the joke. This was deadly serious from start to finish, as it should have been. And, you know, last week I'd sort of said, for me, what I really wanted to see was something that made me think Sami Zayn could win because I thought that was an important, for me, that was an important sale of the, 
the show. You know, we talked about they, they could have not done that. People would have still went mental for the match at yeah. the show. But they did. They went that extra step, and they gave you that. You know, the thing that makes you doubt potentially. They gave you that moment where Sammy cuts the big impassioned promo that he needs to cut. Um. So yeah, to me, it was just like they they went above and beyond. They gave us what they needed to give us for this to be as great a story as it can be. And yeah. to, to plant that doubt with people now is great because now we've got so much doubt about, you know, there's the Sammy element, there's the Jey Uso element. And so it's not just Sammy versus Roman, which I fully believe if this was under Vince, we would have got this match at this show, but we wouldn't have had Sammy Zayn getting this kind of, you know, time put into, you know, what his story is and, you know, him him being a believable challenger. I just don't think we would have got that. I'm not saying it would have been Ricochet and Brock Lesnar, obviously, but I just don't think there would have been the time put into Sammy that there is. And I think it's important to the match um, at Elimination Chamber. So great, great stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the secret on the night will be that they'll tell the story. The, the story going in will be that Roman Reigns will almost be dismissive of Sammy and he'll really be more concentrating on what, what Jay's done. And I think that'll be a big part of it. It's like, what you're doing, Jay? And be more, there'll be as much time probably spent on Jay, not, you know, um, going over to the other side and betraying the bloodline and being a tr- potentially a traitor and what you're doing and all that carry on. So that'll be a big part of it. Um, so I don't think, on the night, before, at least before the match, I don't think Roman's going to really take Sammy that seriously. But I know the match will be laid out in such a way that Sammy will get those big near falls. He'll kick out from all of Roman's, Roman's offense, you know, and Reigns will sell it like, oh my God, because that's what he does. And he does this so well is that he sells the threat that this person that he's underestimated now poses to him as the match wears on. He does that and he does it so well. And I think we'll have a Kevin Owens appearance at ringside to take out Jimmy and probably Solo. And then people at that point will really believe that, yes, Sammy could do it because Reigns will be like, shock, Owens is there. What are you doing here? You know, you've taken Solo, you've taken Jimmy out. And then I think we'll get Jay who'll turn up and Reigns will be like, oh, no, you know, Jay's out here to help Sammy as well. I'm sunk. And then we'll get the... Jay will be, he'll, he'll stab Sammy in the back and Reigns will win. That'll probably just ruin it for everyone now, Kenny. But that's how I see it playing out. And that's a that's a story that has been, they've been building this up for months. They've done an exemplary job of doing so. And all these things, we're kind of expecting them. And I think we all know what's going to happen, but it's the journey and the ride that we're looking forward to. And I think they'll have us on the night. I think they'll make us believe that Sammy can win. And uh, I'm really, this is, I'm I'm looking forward to this match more than any match in, I don't know, at least six months, maybe a year, Kenny. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's, it is arguably the biggest non, probably the non, the biggest non kind of Rumble Mania SummerSlam match in years. You oh, know, de- definitely. Yeah, but what I'm looking forward to most is just the story they're going to tell with all these moving parts, you know, meshing and interlocking. Because you know Heyman's um, involved in that story and putting it together, so you know that, yes. that you can trust that it's not, you know, it's not going to be fumbled on it's Saturday. Not. We're going to get, we're going to get something good. So 
Um, two last things about Raw before we go. What did you think of Seth Rollins' boots, Finn? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this has got to be some inspired by Sam Smith, right? Yeah. I, 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 uh, Steve Gunn was saying to me when we were watching this, he said, I'd love to be a fly in the wall when Seth's trying to explain these to Triple H. <laughs> you know, is it, is it like a Google photo? Like, how, how are you explaining it? <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I just think he lets him get on with it. And yeah. I just probably amused by it all. He just finds it, you know, he's just saying just make it as outrageous as possible. I don't care. At this point, you're you're <laughs> over and you can pretty much get away with anything. So I mean they've conf- they confirmed in that angle with Mays and Austin Theory that it's gonna be Rollins versus Logan Paul at WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah they didn't, uh-huh. didn't come out and say yes. It will be, you know, there wasn't a graphic saying the match is going to take place, but they spent so long talking about it that we now know that Paul and Rollins will clash at Mania. And that, I'm looking forward to that match as well. It'll be a great match. And, you know, Seth did say, you know, his, his goal is to main event WrestleMania one day. You know, and I think that's I think that's an important thing to put out there. That for wrestlers, that is a goal. That is something they yeah. want to do. CM Punk, you know, he famously for years said that was his goal, was to main event, close the show, you know, be the proper main event of the show so um you know i think that that's important that rollins is putting out that that's what he wants before he ends up in this logan paul thing um and then in the opener of the show we had a setup for the main event where basically becky lynch and bailey wanted to be in the chamber match they were kind of putting forth to adam pierce why they should be in it bianca belair came out to kind of take umbrage to this and the decision was made that there'd be a triple threat match in the main event which would be bianca becky and bailey if Bianca won, neither women would get in the chamber match. But if Becky or Bailey won, they would they would get in the match. And um, loads of interference from Dakota Kai and Io Sky. Um, but in the end, it was Bianca Belair who was able to get Becky Lynch out of the way after uh, Bailey had been had the manhandle slam, uh, and then Bianca Belair won. So, how did you feel about this? Obviously, you know, I think people were probably expecting that Be- Becky or Bailey were going to win it, but it was a bit of a curveball. Yeah, it was. Um, Belair pinned Bailey after KODing Lynch onto Bailey. Um, I didn't think the match was very good. Uh, there was a run in by the other uh, competitors in the Elimination Chamber match, the obviously female competitors. And that brawl was just extraordinarily feeble. I mean, it was just so bad. It's like they didn't know what they were doing. I was like, what's going on here? You know, is this the accidentally showing like a, a rehearsal of this? <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't believe how terrible that looked. I'm sick of seeing these three three wrestling. I don't want to see them wrestle again. I'm just bored of the whole thing. Um, I don't know what's going on with Bianca. I mean, she just doesn't really look like she is even that motivated anymore to to be a WWE star or a Raw Women's Champion. So I thought it was a really flat ending to the show. I mean, because it feels like, so. I mean, there was a report out that there's uh, Trish is still planned to be there, but she's not. She's not going to be there for another couple of weeks now. So I guess maybe the Trish thing, she's involved in WrestleMania, potentially. Yeah. So maybe we're going to get, but the, you know, again, we said this last week. There's something that's not. There's something in the puzzle that we're not getting because if it's Trish, Lita, and Becky against Damage Control. Yeah. Where do Ronda and Shayna end up? Who were on SmackDown? Um, you know if they're supposed to go for the tag titles. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll, by this time next week, we should know 
more we should have more of an idea where Becky's going to be going to WrestleMania. They made sure at the end to have Becky looking at the Mania sign, looking sad. So we're meant to believe what is her story going to be. Um, yes. So yeah, I thought the match was okay, but yeah, I, I think it, I, I want to see Bianca in a story again. I want to see her in something that means something, um, and not just her kind of coming out and being happy and that's it. You know, yeah, dancing around. Yeah, she just it's just uh yeah, she um she just looks to me like she's just not really motivated anymore. And I think part of that is the way that she's been presented. Um but I mean I mean we'll see. I mean it's either gonna be Asuka or Raquel Rodriguez who wins. Or, uh, I hope it's Asuka. That this smiley Raquel Rodriguez is awful. Yes. I mean she's just She's out there smiling like a goof. Yeah. It's just, it's so rubbish. I mean, this was, in NXT, she was, you know, she was this sort of, not a not monster, but she was this kind of statuesque goddess who, who was yeah. muscular and angry and you feared her. And now she's just yes. coming out. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't work for me at all. So yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know why she's still playing this character. This was like a Vin, I think she started this when Vince was still there. And I can't believe she's still doing it now in like February 2023. What are we now? Six, seven months on from the end of the Vince era. Yeah, it's very so, strange. I can't believe she's still doing it either. And I mean, that match with, with Ronda, uh, was it the last SmackDown of last year? I think it was, wasn't yes. it? Yeah, yes. It was. I mean, that felt like a real step forward for her. And she just showed that she can be a player and she can be a a champion in this on the main roster and um but yeah they've got a uh, she just needs to do the heel turn i think she needs to if she doesn't win elimination chamber i think she needs to turn next week uh, so she can be positioned as a contender to someone uh, post wrestlemania because you're right at the moment she's going nowhere with this well i wouldn't say she's not she's going nowhere there's a lot there's a lot of people in that women's division who, who are going nowhere. She's going somewhere. She's obviously somebody that they think can be a star and probably going to give her a chance to be a star and champion in future. But adjustments need to be made to prepare her, you know, to uh, to prepare her for, for success. Yes, uh, but success is not going to come to her in this current incarnation. No. Anyway, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. We'll be back on Thursday with Power Slam. Uh, just a quick note, if you are listening to this, um, there's been a bit of a delay with Apple Podcasts. So if you listen to us on Apple, uh, there was like a 24-hour delay this week with some of the podcasts going up. So um, if not, we're on Spotify. We're on all the other ways you can get the podcasts. Um, so yeah, uh, but drop me a, a tweet at Kenny MCITR if you're having any issues, and I shall try and talk you through them. Um but anyway, I want to thank you for all your support, everybody. And then Finn, I believe, well, no, well, no, but it, we might not have the news on Thursday of the thing that we, you potentially you could talk about. But by next week, we should have something. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. Because I think we'll be recording Thursday morning, and I'm doing I'm doing this thing. Mm. In a way, you want to talk about it, but we've both been we, things have happened before that have been it's scheduled that haven't it. happened. It's not and worth it. it. Yeah, and these things, and it just, that's just the way it is. Sometimes you'll have something and you're like, oh, this is tremendous. You know, I, can't, oh, I want to tell people about it. But until it has happened, 
you know, you cannot do that because you'll I can then end up looking rather foolish. Uh, but yes, so we'll I'll definitely uh, be in. I'll definitely be able to reveal this thing next Tuesday, if not before, maybe on my social media. People will find out about it before then. Uh, well, listen, well, thank you for all your support, everybody. Remember, insideropesmagazine.com is where you can go and check out the mag. Um, you can get it in WH Smith stores in the UK. You can get it in Tesco's as well. You can DM our uh, Twitter account, inside underscore the ropes, um, with your postcode, and they'll tell you the nearest place you can go and pick it up. Uh, or you can buy it directly from us, insideropesmagazine.com. Um, and Patreon is where you can get more of us. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're craving more, you can get us um, over on Patreon. We do an overrun. You get ad-free versions of this and the Parasite podcast. Um, and we do retro pay-per-view reviews as well. So we'll be doing No Way Out later this month with uh, Rock Hogan 2 and Steiner Triple H 2. Oh, God. Anyway, we'll... Uh, we'll, 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 and, we'll the return of, and the return of that guy. Yeah, it's been announced on TV already. Stone Cold Steve Austin will be back. Um, as well, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll know that I have loads of fun talking about that. So yeah, do check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes. So thank you for all your support, everybody. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.